Welcome to The Truth About Taxes and Retirement. This podcast is brought to you by SavingYouTaxes.com and hosted by J. Barry Watts. As an advanced tax strategist and enrolled agent federally licensed by the IRS, Barry is uniquely qualified to go deeper into the Internal Revenue Code than most accountants. He understands and interprets its provisions explaining how they'll help you reduce income taxes you owe so you can direct that previously wasted tax money into tax-free accounts that you can enjoy in your retirement years. Now, on today's episode. Hello, and welcome to another edition of The Truth About Taxes and Retirement. I'm Patrice Sikora, producer of the show, and the man with the mic is none other than your host, tax strategist, retirement planner, and the person I refer my family members to when they need retirement help, J. Barry Watts. Barry, welcome back for another edition of your show. Well, thanks. It's kind of fun to be welcomed to my show. Uh, we've never <laughs> done, th- done it that way before, but I think I kind of like it. And uh, I'm tickled to be here. We're going to have a good day. I'm rested and ready and uh, full of vim and vigor. And we'll see how long that lasts. The older I get, doesn't last quite as long, you know, but uh, I think we can probably endure for the time that's necessary today. Well, where'd you get all the vim and vigor from? Uh, I, well, I was off yesterday because, you know, it was holiday and then uh-huh. I was off the weekend and, uh, I actually yesterday morning didn't wake up until after eight and that's pretty unusual for me. Uh, I don't, you know, I'm usually a five o'clock guy. And, uh, so I got eight and it's like, wow, I'm feeling good about this. So who, who uh, fed the cows? Uh, well, we did, we just fed them late. Did they like it? Um, no, they're pretty regular. They are, <laughs> they, they show up at the same time every day for the same things every day. And in fact, sometimes they've already left the barn by then. And so we have to go round them up if you don't get out there on time. But you know, sometimes you just need to live a human schedule instead of a farmer's schedule. And those two are not necessarily the same thing. You do know if anyone has joined our show and this is their first time, they have no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> But we know that you have many, many listeners who listen to every single episode because they follow this podcast. They subscribe to it and they share it with friends and family. There you go. I like that. So they know about the farm and the fact that when we're not here in the office managing money and building retirements and podcasting, we're also uh, sometimes out on the farm taking care of things uh, at home here in the Missouri Ozarks from where our show originates. All right, Barry, let's get to the show because the episode today is entitled untangling the retirement rat's nest. That's rather an ominous description there. So how about some explanation? Well, uh, first of all, do you know what a rat's nest is, Patrice? Have you seen a rat's nest? I cannot say I've seen a rat's nest. I've seen a rat. I've seen a big rat in New York City, but I never saw their nest. Well, because before we went live on the air, you were asking me about groundhogs. I I suppose that maybe you'd seen rat's nests. They don't look anything like groundhog nests, but here's what a rat's nest looks like. When you've got a, a pack rat, what they do is they build their nest. There's a reason they refer to them as pack rats. They build their nests out of any kind of crap they can find. And so there may be leaves or straw or grass, but there also may be the wiring off of your Chevy or the insulation out of your house <laughs> or plastic out of your garbage can or, or paper. Oh, if you got an old newspaper laying around, they'll chew that up and build their nest out of it. So when you find a rat's nest, it's just this horrible, nasty uh, entangled mess of materials where the rat has built himself a place to lay and sleep. And for a lot of people, retiring and finances are kind of like a rat's nest. It's a variety of materials, a variety of things that they don't know what to do with. They don't know how to think about. They don't know how to organize. 
And I find, Patrice, when people come in to see me to talk about retirement, uh, they fall into two distinct categories. The first category is they're oblivious. <laughs> they're like, hey, uh, you know, I'm 65. I'm pulling the trigger. Well, have you thought about what your income is going to look like? Haven't even stopped to consider it. Have you thought about how long your money is going to last? Nope, I sure haven't. I just figured it would all work out. So there's this oblivious crowd, and I don't enjoy them very much. And then there are those who are stunned by the complexity. That's kind of the rat's nest crowd. And so they're wrapped up in all these questions like, well, so so is now really the right time to retire? Do I have enough money? And when should I take Social Security? And which pension option should I select? And, and should I take my pension for my life or take less money and preserve pension benefits for my spouse? And will my income last or am I going to need a part-time job in retirement? Or, or will I want a part-time job in retirement? Uh, because there are people who retire and after just a few months, they decide that retirement wasn't really what it was cracked up to be. Mm -hmm. And so they want to do something else. But what all these folks don't know is uh, embedded in the rat's nest in the confusion and the entanglement are all kinds of impacts from the decisions that they make. You see how they make those decisions can determine whether or not they will pay taxes on social security, how much their Medicare will cost because people pay Medicare at different rates and you walking down the street. You don't know. You think, you know, gray hair hmm, must be Medicare, but he's paying the same thing. I am no, 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 no. There are lots of different ways that people pay for that and different amounts for the same level of service from the government's program. So and hey, I say you have done a podcast on this just the last time we spoke, and it was an outstanding podcast as usual. Well, so thank you. Really thank you very should much. Go and listen to that because well, I, they will understand that there are questions you never even thought of. You know, and that's the whole point to this bigger retirement issue is you don't think about these things. You, you don't think about Medicare costs. You don't think about taxes on Social Security. You usually don't even think about how to set up your estate to make sure your assets go to who that you want them to go, to whom you want them to go, to who or whom. Whom. Who. who. To, yeah, to whom. Okay. whom. Thank you, English teacher. You don't think about where you want your money to go. Right. And, and so it's all these problems are relatively easy to solve. Um, but if you don't know how and you don't know what questions to ask, you don't know where to begin, then you're kind of in trouble. It just becomes this tangled mess that I call the rat's nest. And it entangles very smart, very capable people. So I'm just thinking about the folks that I deal with day in, day out. I had last week here in the office, I had two physicians, different times, different appointments. They weren't a couple uh, two different physicians. Now, obviously, they're smart people. They've been to medical school. You know, they've got a lot of schooling behind them. Mm -hmm. But they were like newborn babies in terms of financial planning and dealing with finance. And they both acknowledge that. They're like, I don't know anything about it. I don't understand how this works. This is not my specialty. So it was just kind of funny. That was their line. This is not my specialty. So it's interesting that people can be so deep in their specialty and so novice in something else that for me is kind of simple and commonsensical, but then that's not really fair because I do this stuff every day. This is your specialty. Well, it is my specialty, but you know something, Patrice, here's an interesting story. I had a person in the office last week who their specialty is they are a certified financial planner. Okay. And they came to see me. Does that seem strange to you? 
certified financial planner, CFP, big test, have to study. It does surprise me. Yeah. This person was a certified financial planner and, and and they came to see me. Now I've passed the CFP designation myself, but you know, generally those kind of guys don't come to each other for help. But this guy came sat out of my office and wanted to look to me for help. And I just thought that was particularly strange. I happened to mention the story to my mother. We had dinner together last night. I didn't tell her who, of course, because all of the clients we deal with are confidential. We never disclose who those people are or, or what their cases are. But I just happened to mention that I'd had a CFP come in to the office to ask for my help. And mom said, well, I'm not surprised at that at all. She said, you do so many other things besides financial planning. I said, oh, really, mom? Like what? She said, well, you, you know, you help people with Medicare and you do tax things. You do tax planning and you do estate planning. And she mentioned a few more. And I'm like, wait, wait, mom, aren't those things financial planning? She said, well, I think financial planning is just, um, you know, just taking care of the money. I'm like, no, that's investment management, mom. You see, financial planning and retirement planning certainly is dealing with all of these different issues that may arise. And that's why it is so entangling to people is they get lost in the different issues and they don't know how to think about it. If all we had to do was manage money, it'd be really, really easy, but it's not. For example, I just walked down the hall to pick up the microphone for this podcast and they yelled at me as I walked down the hall, hey, Barry, got a question. And the question related to a lady who we're helping right now, who in the first year, her required minimum distribution from her IRA is going to be over $800,000 in the first year. That's oh. going to be a pretty big tax smack. Oh, yeah. Guess what she's going to pay on Social Security? <laughs> the max. Guess what she's going to pay for Medicare? The max. And there's no reason for it to have happened, except her money has been poorly managed without strategy and without commitment and approach to minimize income taxes. Now, I don't want people listening to think that we only deal with people who have $800,000 required minimum distributions. She obviously had tens of millions of dollars because sometimes we see people who only have two or three or $400,000. But the problems are, are the same. It's just a, a magnitude. You know, It's the same problem, just with additional zeros up against it. And so whatever your level of income and your level of assets are, you need to realize there are things you can do to make life easier. And that's what we want to help people do is disentangle all of these things. Because what happens is people are, I think they, they start looking at retirement, they get lost in all this entanglement. It's just easier to put it off for another year. It's easier to just kick the can down the road and not have to think about it. It's interesting because as I work with people and I, I force them into questions, you know, it's like, here's a question you have to deal with. And they get this look on their face and it's a look of discomfort and they kind of want to escape the room. You can't run away with this from this forever. You have to make these decisions because otherwise the decisions will be made for you and they won't be the decisions you want made for you. And you'll be forced and backed into those kind of things. So one of my mentors, a, a consultant in our industry, a guy by the name of Dan Sullivan, told me this one time. And I thought it was really good. He said, Barry, the problem isn't the problem. Well, actually, I kind of think it is. <laughs> the problem isn't the problem. The problem is you don't know how to think about the problem, how to think about the problem. Hmm. The problem isn't retirement. The problem is you don't know how to think about retirement. 
And that mental cloudiness produces uncertainty, and that uncertainty can produce anxiety. And people are so used to feeling anxious about this that sometimes when we even figure it all out and tell them, okay, you can retire, and we show them the numbers that prove they can retire, sometimes they still don't believe it, and they keep going to work because it's a big step to retire, and we want to help people do it in a way that they can feel good about. That was inspiring. Well, no, seriously, seriously, it, it, it's, it's, it is something that's very difficult to think about. You, you are raised to work. You're going to have a career. You're going to make a difference. You're going to have a family, support that family, take care of them. And then suddenly the day comes when you're not going to work. I, I don't, I don't think so. You know, it's funny you mentioned that because again, before the show started, we, we obviously had a lot of fun before the show started, didn't we? Um, we're back and forth. You're in New Jersey. I'm in Missouri as we're making this recording, by the way. And uh, I showed you a photo of my wife that uh, we'll hope she doesn't listen to podcasts because we don't want her to know that I showed this photo. But I showed you a photo of my working wife on the farm who was covered in dirt from mm-hmm. head to toe. And, um, you know, we, uh, the point is she's a worker, by the way, we call her Martha. If you, if you know the Bible story of Martha, oh, yes, and Mary, okay. we call her Martha. It's like Martha, come over here and sit down Yes, because she's Martha. always up doing the work kind mm-hmm. of stuff. And I can't work it out of her, but here's a funny story about that. We're raised to work. My youngest daughter recently asked her mom, what would you do if dad decided he was done with the farm and he's just tired of it and he just doesn't want to do it anymore? And my wife, who will soon be 60, said, well, I would go back to nursing. I'd go get a job uh, because she wants to work. So we are retired to work. It's built and bred into us. Well, to some of us, at least. It gives you purpose. It gives you purpose. uh, More so your generation and mine, I'm guessing. Generations after us might or might not think the same way about it. But, um, yeah, we are bred to work. And so when we tell people you don't have to work anymore and you're free, you're free, you can retire. Sometimes that in itself produces anxiety, and we don't want people to feel that way. So here's a, here's a thought for you. It, 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 you need to think about not what you're retiring from, but you need to think about what you're retiring to. What are you going to do in retirement? For some people, that's easy. It's grandkids. For other people, it's a fishing boat. What, but you can only fish so much. I've got golfers and fishermen who are my clients. And, you know, what are you doing driving a bus part-time? Well, you can only play so many holes of golf. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. So uh, we want to help people untangle not just the financial mess, but the mental mess so they can retire confidently. And that's why we produce what we call the six steps to retirement confidence. And that's what we want to talk about today on the show is the six steps to retirement confidence to help you untangle the mental mess associated with retirement. All right. Step one. Well, Step one is what we call, by the way, Patrice, I should tell you that these are, when we think about steps, don't think about uh, rocks on a path, you know, stones on a path. I want you to think of a staircase because these steps are leading you up and the ultimate uh, pinnacle where they lead you to is the pinnacle of retirement. So the, the first step that we step on on this staircase is what we call income to age 100. Why 100? Come on. Who's going to live to 100, right? More and more people. I don't know, Patrice. You don't really want to go down that road with me, do you? Because <laughs> <laughs> I happen to know that you're taking care of mama. And how old's mama? Uh, 91. 91. Okay. So mama could make it to 100. 
So more and more people, more and more people are seeing that happen. Um, when I first started in this industry 30 years ago, people would live to 72 or 73. We planned them out to 72 or 73. And basically, if you had money to get to 73, you're good to go. And we we told them if they lived longer than that, it was their own darn fault. Well, now we are routinely planning people to age 100 and realizing not everybody will get there. But some people will say, well, you know, mom's 98. So that's probably not a bad idea. Or or some people will even kind of push a little and say, can we go to 110? And we tell them no, usually. Well, they're 60 now. And so, you know, planning to 100, that's a long time to plan. So adding another 10 years, I don't think that's really going to help us. Chances are, if we're successful to 100, we'll probably be successful to 110 as well. But the point is, if if you plan to have income that lasts all the way to 100 and you die at 87, guess what? That's not a bad thing. You're good. But if you plan only to have income to 87 and you live all the way to age 100, then your last 13 years of your life, you're going to be standing behind the counter saying, would you like fries with that? Would you like fries with that? Um, Over and over and over, you're going to be, uh, well, you can be forced to work in retirement or certainly to live in a way that you didn't plan on living in retirement. So we want to help people get income to age 100. That's the first step. And well, how do you do that? Well, think about the components of your income in retirement. I bet most of our listeners have never stopped to think about what are the components of retirement income. Now, one of the components that most everybody's going to have is Social Security. Very few people don't have Social Security. So that's a component of retirement. The second component some people have in retirement is going to be uh, pensions, because there's still a lot of people who've got pensions of some form or another. And outside of those two, then you may have a rental house that's paying some income, or maybe you're a trust fund baby and you get some money from trust fund. And that's a really cool thing. Or maybe you inherited some farmland and you cash rent it. You're not on the farm anymore, but back in the Midwest, this is a big thing where, where people will have some income from the land that they've inherited over the years. But Aside from those things, the only place that you're going to have income is what you have saved. When you get where you're going in retirement, all that is going to be there is what you have sent on ahead. Mm -hmm. And so that's one of the, the sources of income. So what we do is we simply ask this question, Patrice, how much income does it take net deposited into your bank account on a monthly basis for you to be able to live, pay your bills, have the fun you want to have? And people come up with a number and you know, that number is anywhere from, for, for the clients I deal with on the low end, sometimes $2,500. And I usually say, really? Are you Where sure? Are they living? Where are they living? Yeah. Uh, and, and on the high end, you know, maybe $20,000 a month. I had one of those last week. So that's a good retirement living, obviously. So the, the point is, don't worry about what other people's number is. The question is, what's your number? What's your number? And oftentimes it's five or six or 8,000 bucks a month or whatever. And so when you tell us that and then show us how much you have in your various retirement investment savings type accounts, we've got a math formula that we can go through that will quickly determine whether or not you're going to have income to last until age 100. And that's the place that we start. That's the first step on the ladder. Or it's not a ladder. It's a staircase. Silly me. It's the first step on the staircase because If you don't have income to age 100, then you're not retiring. Mm -hmm. We've got to nail the income down. And when we have the income nailed down, then we're ready to move on up the staircase toward the next steps to give us more retirement confidence. All right. You're talking about savings now, I'm assuming. 401ks, Roths, 403bs, whatever they might have. 
taxes, taxes, taxes. That's always going to come into the question. Well, you're correct. And that's why the second step on the staircase is what we call tax-free or tax-minimized. Patrice, did you know that it is possible to retire in the 0% tax bracket? Uh? People will say, yeah, but I didn't want to be that poor. (laughs) No, 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 no. It's possible to have a million dollars a year in income and still be in the 0% tax bracket. Now, now, some people just say, yeah, well, I just don't believe that. I, I've never heard that before. Well, you haven't listened. You haven't studied this. I've been doing this for 30 long years. It's very possible. About a third of our clients retire in the 0% tax bracket. Now, there are things you have to do to get there. And there are some things that prevent some people from getting there. There's some folks who walk in, lay all their stuff down. It's like, you're never getting to the 0% tax bracket. But there are other people who can get there. And I'll give an example of one of the things that that prevents you from getting there. If you have a really nice pension, a big pension, that pension alone can force you across the taxability of Social Security line such that you, even if we got all the rest of your money to be tax-free, which we may be able to do, you're still going to wind up paying tax on Social Security. But there are some people who don't have that pension. They've got money coming from other sources, so they can achieve a 0% tax bracket. If you can't achieve 0%, then what's the next best thing? Well, we want you in the lowest tax bracket possible. And right now, the lowest tax bracket possible is 10%. Now, bear in mind, that's not going to be true probably over the next 30 years. In fact, I'm guessing someone in the 10% tax bracket today, 10 years, 15 years from now, may actually be in the 25% tax bracket, which will perhaps be the lowest bracket at that time. But the point is, if we can't get you to zero, let's get you to the lowest overall tax bracket. That is incredibly important. And we can do that for about a third of retirees. And we do it for a lot of business owners too. Different for business owners, by the way. Um, I, I recently had a business owner we helped who, I don't know if I've told you the story or not. He uh, He's making uh, about $900,000 a year, something like that. So he's got a nice business. Mm-hmm. And we were able to develop for him over $1.1 million worth of tax deductions. Now, think about it. Tax deductions go against income. So if he's making 900000 and we created $1.1 million worth of tax deductions right out of the tax code, then he's got a negative income for tax purposes. That's so we, we made all of his taxes disappear. Now, in his case, then we had to back up just a little bit because he wanted to take some of that 900000 and live on it. So we couldn't make all of his taxes disappear. He had to pay tax on the living money. But this guy's living on like 150000 bucks, and he's paying tax on like 900000 bucks. So these are the kinds of steps that we can take that uh, make a big difference for business owners as well. But but this is uh, this program is about the steps to retirement confidence, mm-hmm. and we can certainly get retirees to the 0% tax bracket in some cases. All right. You've got your principal. You're talking about taxes now. What about the principal? Well, people think, well, I'll just live out of my earnings in retirement. Well, maybe you will or maybe you won't, because if you don't have enough saved, you're going to have to eat up principal. And so now we're back to that first step. We're thinking about, will my principal still run me all the way to 100 or am I going to actually run out of principal somewhere along the way? Now, one of the things that can cause you to run out of principal is not spending, but actually difficult stock markets, you know, a down market like last year where we were down about 20% in the market. 
And like 2008, where we were down something like 36%, or like the first three years, 2000, 2001, 2002, where we were down about 50% in the markets. If you have that hit in the first years of your retirement, your retirement is probably going to be destroyed if you haven't done anything to protect yourself. One of the questions I always ask is, has your has your current advisor talked to you about how to protect your principal from down stock market? And people can't even answer the question. They go, uh, no, yeah, no, not really, not really. So one of the things that we help people understand is that there is a portion of your money. I don't know what the portion is. You get to decide that. But there's a portion of your money that should be put away in a place and in a way to where it's in a bomb shelter that when the, when the nuclear economic explosion happens, your money doesn't feel the shock. And those kinds of concepts and programs, you can still earn like, oh, I don't know, 5% or something like that on your money. So there's a certain portion of your principal that should be protected from that economic shock. Now, the rest of your money outside of the portion that you chose to protect can also be protected, but in a different way. For the rest of your money, we do a program that we call risk minimization. And that's where we invest you in a way that first determines what your risk level is and what the risk is in your current portfolio. And it's really interesting. I like to say it, say it in miles per hour. So what's your risk level? And we'll figure out that, well, their risk with their nest egg, if they were driving it in their car, is you know 40 miles an hour. They want to be kind of careful with their nest egg. And then we look at their investments and we discover they're driving 80 miles an hour with their investments. <laughs> well, why don't they match? And the answer is because nobody's ever talked to them about that sort of risk. You can take the money that is not in the bomb shelter, the money that's not protected, and you can also protect it in some very effective ways that significantly minimize risk and historically take it down to single digits. Now, all the guys at the the, the uh, lawyer and compliance offices want us to be sure and say, past performance is no guarantee of future results. And they're absolutely right. This isn't guaranteed, but it's worked that way for 20 years, really probably 40 or 50 years. So it's just a matter of knowing how to do things. Here's the point. Listen, wake up, straighten up. You don't have to be subject to the whims of the stock market. You don't have to take the beating. And I'm astonished at the number of people who just have rolled over and just said, well, this is it. If you're going to be an investor, you're going to take the beating. No, you don't have to do that. Listen to me. You can be protected. And that's one of the things that we try to help people do is protect their principle in case of down markets, because down markets are going to come. They are going to come. You're right. When you get old, you need health care. What are you going to do with that? Well, you need two types of health care. And we'll, for this purpose of this conversation, we'll define old as over the age of 65. Oh, God. So congratulations, Patrice. <laughs> I'm not there yet because I'm just a babe in the woods. What, 64? No, no, don't do that to me. <laughs> do, you, do you not know how old I am? You probably don't know how old I I don't I am. think I do, no. How old do you think I am, really? Tell me. I would guess, uh, well, you just have a daughter who got married, so probably 50s? Ah, uh, you're cheating. Early you're 50s? Cheating. You're looking at my gray hair and thinking I'm 78. No, right. dude. I've been gray since I was 30. I'm 59 years old. I will be 60 in August of uh, 2023. So you're and catching up. 
So yeah, I, I'm catching up, but you keep you, you're pulling ahead as well. So you know that's the way it works. So I'm five years away from that 65 mark. We're talking about healthcare. At 65, you fall into Medicare, and uh, Medicare is a set program from the government that takes care of a lot of your healthcare. But there are things that Medicare doesn't cover, and if you haven't protected yourself for the things that Medicare doesn't cover. Well, then you're still going to have health expenses that could be tens of thousands of dollars per year. And so there are ways that we cover the things that Medicare doesn't cover. There are myriad ways that you can do it. And it's really complex because it's a program that's run by the government. We did a podcast on this just last time. And that podcast is talk, talks about planning for Medicare. So if you want to go to the podcast page at savingyoutaxes.com, go to resources, and there's a little drop-down menu, and click on podcasts, and find the podcast that says planning for Medicare, that will help you to understand better how to plan for Medicare, because you've got to make a lot of decisions about the kind of additional coverage that you're going to get. Secondly, you have to be aware that Medicare is going to cost you. It is not free government health care. You will pay for your Medicare coverage, and what you pay depends on how you handle the rest of your investments. And so we have to think about how we're managing our investments and our income to keep our Medicare costs as low as possible, as we mentioned earlier in the podcast. So all of this comes together in helping us to think about medical care when we're in our 60s. Now, at a certain point, it's not just, you know, I had to go to the hospital and have my appendix out or I had to go see the doctor. At a certain point, it becomes needing what we call long-term care. You're old enough that you need some assistance to help you get around and deal with the six activities of daily living. And I'm going to fail this because I do every time. (laughs) I can always only think of five of them. Let's see how this goes. So think about what you do when you wake up in the morning, and you'll know what the activities of daily living are. The first thing you do is you get out of bed. That's ambulation. It's a fancy word for I can walk. Okay. So the first thing you do is ambulation, and, and that's one of the activities of daily living. Can you do it? Yep, I can do that. Okay. The second activity, what do you do right after you get out of bed is you go to the bathroom. So the second activity is toileting. What do you do after you go to the bathroom? Well, a lot of us take a shower next. So the third activity is bathing. Can you bathe yourself? What do you do after you bathe? The fourth activity is dressing yourself. Can you dress yourself? And then the fifth activity is can you feed yourself? So those are five of the six activities of daily living. I told you I can't remember the sixth one, and I can't hold the gun to my head. I can't tell you what it is right now. But there's something else they add to that. So I should pretend if I were trying to smooth this over and make it really sexy, I would have done this better because there is another thing that comes in here and then is cognition. How's your mind? Are you thinking? And so any of those activities can trigger your need for long-term care. Now, long-term care can be in your home or it can be in a facility. Most people want it in their home for as long as humanly possible. And so there are ways today that you can get that coverage. People think it's too expensive. They can't afford it. And for many people, Patrice, that's true. But there are ways that Joe in the middle class, who's been working hard for 40 years and just saved a few hundred thousand dollars, can actually cover his long-term care expense in a way that he won't lose the money if he doesn't use it. That's the problem with long-term care Mm -hmm. is people are afraid to buy the insurance because then they're afraid they'll die and didn't get to use it. And it was very expensive. Well, if you could buy the insurance and know that if you didn't use it, then all that money would come back to your family. Maybe that changes your thinking about it. So long-term care planning is a really important step in the process and you can't get it too soon. You don't need to do it in a vacuum thinking about long-term care when I haven't even figured out if I've got 
enough money to last to age 100. But if you build the staircase and you start with income to age 100, and then you minimize your taxes on the second step, and then you protect your principal on the third step, and then you deal with Medicare and long-term care on the fourth step, well, you're well on your way to climbing up that staircase to the mezzanine level <laughs> where your retirement will be perhaps far more beautiful. And that's the kind of stuff we like to help people do at the Wealth Care Corporation. And then once you've hit the mezzanine, you can start looking back and look at the family and say, maybe I want to do something for them. You know, that's an interesting thing. One of the questions that we always ask is, uh, is related to, do you want to leave money to your family? How important is it to you to leave a financial legacy for your family? It's really funny because some people are like, not important at all. <laughs> and some people are like, oh, it's very important. I want to leave as much as possible to my kids. And it's just kind of humorous. I had a guy the other day, I was showing him how to save taxes. And he was going to leave several million dollars to his kids, ultimately. He said, well, well, I look at this. I'm just paying the taxes for my kids. <laughs> so, ah, well, it's true. He, right. he, that wasn't a wrong way to look at it. But what I said to him is, well, look, the kids are going to pay the taxes. You can wait and let the kids pay it. But you know whose money they're going to use to pay it? They're going to use your money to pay the taxes. So the deal is, dude, would you rather this tax go to Washington, to the knuckleheads up there, you want the taxes to go up there to people you don't care about. And I knew he had a new granddaughter and uh, they they just spent, or do you want that money to be left for your kids who he kind of said he didn't care about? And I mentioned the granddaughter's name. He's like, well, no, I guess I'll save those taxes. <laughs> so the, the point is you have a legacy. Now your legacy comes in two forms. First of all, you have an economic legacy. That's the money that you leave, the property that you leave, the hard assets that you leave. I Around here, I say shotguns and teacups, you know, all those things that are in the house that you get after grandma and grandpa die. Hummel figurines. Uh, there you go. Precious <laughs> moments. My wife's got a whole bunch of those. Did you know Precious Moments is from here in Southwest Missouri? It was, the artist lived here and they're all designed here. And when you come to Southwest Missouri, you can go to the Precious Moments uh, Museum, I guess it is, and oh. see and hear the whole story. So if you like Precious Moments, Patrice, there's a reason to come to the Missouri Ozarks. Be still my heart. We are off topic again, aren't we? I do that. I'm kind of bad. We're talking about legacy planning. We were giving away your humble figurines and your precious moments. So there are documents that you use and methods you use to give away your stuff. And by the way, people all the time come in and say, oh, yeah, I already take care of that. I got, I got a will. Knucklehead. A will is not the solution to that. Now, it can be. There are, are perhaps times, none of which I can think of, where you might want to use a will, but there are more effective ways to get your assets transferred to the next generation more cost-effectively with less expense than just leaving them in a will. Because if you just leave them through a will, then the will has to go through the probate court, which puts the judge involved and makes the lawyers involved. And it takes a long time and it's a mess. If your estate is planned correctly, in my personal opinion, there won't be anything left to go through the will because everything will automatically transfer to next generations. Now, I said, Patrice, there are two concepts here, two things you leave. You leave your assets, your stuff, but then you also leave things that are not measurable or countable. You leave your moral and value legacy. Who are you as a person? What are the things that are important to you? What meant something to you? Maybe, maybe it was something simple like hard work. We've talked about that a little bit. Some people are just hard workers. And maybe you want to say to your grandchildren three generations from now, I expect all of my family to be hard workers. 
be contributors to society, no leeches. You know, maybe that's the kind of message you want to communicate. Well, well, why not communicate that message? Uh, maybe you have a real a political bent and you're a very liberal person or a very conservative person, and you want to passionately expound on why you hope the generations of your family will support whatever that is. Or maybe there's a cause that you're all about. In our day, maybe it's stamping out abortion, which, by the way, we've we've moved a long way toward that as a country. And maybe that's something you want to speak to. I don't know. I'll tell you what mine is. In fact, I just made this speech not two weeks ago because my daughter got married. And, you know, the dad gets to make a speech. And so right there in front of 150 people, I stand up and I say to the bride and the groom, I said, look, you guys got to understand how much we love you and how important you are to us. And how we give our life for you. And and the other thing that we would give our life for is this. It is to see our children and grandchildren as followers of Jesus Christ. That is the most important thing to me and mama. And we want you to not be religious and not be ritualistic about this. We want you to have a vibrant, passionate, personal relationship with a man we know named Jesus. And if you will do that, you will live out a successful life. And we talked more. It was a bigger speech than that. But I just took my time to articulate that to my kids. And and I haven't made the video for myself for my generations to come because I'm only 59. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm assuming I've got some time. And but, a half. Yeah, well, or and 90% of another year and nine tenths or whatever it'd be. So I guess that is 90%. I'm sharp on math. Aren't video, I? the video. <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> so, so here's the point. When the time comes, I will, that's going to be central to the message I communicate to my grandchildren, whom I will never have the chance to meet, because I believe there's nothing more important in life than that, and, and nothing more important in death than that. And so that is what I'm going to be talking about. But the question really, Patrice, is what are you going to be talking about? Because you need to figure out what your legacy is. Beyond your estate, the stuff you leave, what is your personal legacy? Could be some of those things I've mentioned. Could be something totally different. But here's the deal. Don't die with it. Because if you don't get that out in writing and in video and in, in whatever podcast, form. The podcast. Yeah, podcast. There you go. If you don't get that stuff out, then it dies with you. Yeah. The most valuable part of what you are dies with you. Take the money. Imagine if the money all disappeared. You can replace the money. You can work hard and figure out how to get the money back. But if you disappear, you can never replace the values, the morals, the stories. And those are the things that we want to help people pass on to subsequent generations in the form of their legacy. I would end it right here, but I think there's one more tier we have to go up. That was well, a, that was a great a great wrap up there. Let's talk <laughs> about this. Let's talk about the the reviews because for for those of you who want to stay with us, we'll talk about the next thing. For those of you who want to go on, uh, please exit quietly. Um. So so reviews. Well, I don't know what to say about reviews, Patrice. This is level six now. The six steps to retirement confidence. I don't know what to say about reviews because we don't do reviews. Because you see, reviews are where you go sit down with your financial person and they read your statement to you. <laughs> I'm assuming you're smart enough to read your own statement. You know what your statement says. That may be an assumption for some people. It's too big. I don't know. But here's what, here's what I do know. 
I know that the government is always moving and evolving. Taxes are always moving and evolving. What you can do is always moving and evolving. What you can't do is always moving and evolving. The economy is always moving and evolving. And your personal life is moving and evolving. Oh, I got married. Oh, I got divorced. Oh, my spouse died. Oh, I've been diagnosed with cancer. Oh, I found the fountain of youth and I'm going to live to 150. Any of those kinds of things change your situation. So as all the things from the government with regard to taxes, as the economy, as that changes, as your personal life changes, we have to keep adjusting all of these things and bringing them in line with the mission, which is to be tax-free with income to age 100 and keep our principal protected. We have to keep making adjustments. And so on a yearly basis, we're doing strategy adjustments to ensure that your plan stays in place intact and that you continue to have confidence that you will have the income that you need all the way to age 100. And after we go through those six steps, then what we hope you experience is that you're at the top of the retirement mountain with your arms lifted high into the air, shaking your fist into the air with excitement and saying, I made it. I made it. I made it. Because that is what we want to give to people is that sense of confidence. So let's go back. Where did we start the podcast? What did we start with? Do you remember what the imagery in the, the beginning of the podcast was, Patrice? Uh, I got so excited about this part of it. I was um, <clears throat> the rat's nest. We started with the rat's nest. There's so no we rat's went, nest here. We went from the rat's nest to the top where we said, I made it. We cleared out all the mess. We organized it. We put it in a series of steps. And we had and a rocky moment at the top. <laughs> we did. Yeah, it was Philadelphia for you Pennsylvanians. <laughs> I can see where that would be important. We do have a Pennsylvanian who listens regularly, by the way. So what we've given you is an organized process for how to think about retirement. And it really becomes a checklist to move through. And when you get to the end of it, our goal is that you are able to pull the retirement trigger confidently. If that's what you'd like to do, I invite you to give us a call at the Wealthcare Corporation, because that's what we help people do. When you dial our office, one of our helpful, friendly team members will direct you to the correct person, and they'll set up a call with you and me. People are sometimes surprised when I pick up the phone. No, I I take these calls. This is what we do. And we'll talk about how to begin making retirement hopes a reality in your life. So I want to invite you to pick up the phone right now and call us by dialing 417-882-1726 and say, I've been listening to Barry's podcast and I want to talk with him about my situation. That's all you've got to do. Just dial 417-882-1726. Or visit our website at savingyoutaxes.com. I hope today's episode has been helpful to you. If it has, please click the share button in your podcast app and share it on social media or email or text the episode link to friends that you care about who might find this information helpful. Until the next episode of The Truth About Taxes and Retirement, I'm Barry Watts. Good day. This has been a production of the Wealthcare Corporation, found on the web at savingyoutaxes.com. The concepts discussed are for informational and educational purposes only and should not be implemented without first consulting with your own legal, tax, and investment counsel. 
This has not been an offer to buy, sell, or invest in securities, and this information is to be taken as educational concepts and not as specific advice for you. The lawyers and regulators like for us to remind you that all investment involves risk and you could lose money. Past performance is never a guarantee of future results. Tax strategy services are provided by American Tax Strategies, LLC. Investment advisory services are provided by Wealthcare Asset Management, LLC. Thank you for listening to The Truth About Taxes and Retirement Podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of SavingYouTaxes.com. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for professional tax and investment advice. Always seek the advice of your own qualified advisor with any questions you may have regarding taxes and investing.